All right. Well, welcome to 2023. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be a good year. My, my day's hectic, in case you can't tell by my tone. There's lots going on with dogs and cats and just everything when I'm trying to ship infrastructure changes. Working from home, honest to God, everyone's like, oh yeah, you know, work from home. Work from-. Honestly, I would love an office that was just det- away from everything. Dream, I dream of that. I would hate that. I love working. I've worked from home for 25 You've years. You've got no animals, no animals. If you had well, my no dog animals, my no cat, kids, yeah. Yeah, if you had my dog and my like, kids, kids, fine. Like, she's great. The dog has 100,000 problems. The cat, well, the cat's actually really easy. I mean, it's a cat, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, barring testicle removal, cat's super easy. Yeah. So you've actually got quite an optimized setup for working from home, I suppose, yes. actually, all, all things considered. Yeah. Well, I dream of having a, like a separate building or something. Uh, oh, God, that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, I wouldn't. So I, I was thinking if you don't want to work from home, you want to work in like an office or shared office space, and I would hate that. Oh, no, no, no. Separate building on the property that requires yeah. no commute and not <laughs> seeing other people. I, I actually, I would be okay with that. I, I'm good with having that at my house too. I tried a shared office space and it completely backfired. It was noisy. It was, it just didn't work. And I was the newcomer there. So it's like, you know, there's an etiquette established at a place. You can't just go into a place and then insist that things are going to be your way if yeah. you're coming there as the newcomer. I mean, I don't like people that do that and I'm not going to be that person yeah. and it was yeah not for me definitely prefer dedicated space but hey ho that's that's my life at the moment it's all good yeah Only i mean i get a massage later so my life is yeah, kind of hard yeah. too oh yeah, so, yeah. i'm gonna oh. send my cat through the mail and uh yeah yeah so we're doing a Q&A episode today. We, or you, tweeted about if people had questions for us or for Fathom or for the business, and we sent out an email to our newsletter asking mm. if people had questions, and we got a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be the episode today. We are going to go through people's questions, um, try to answer them as best we can, and Yeah. First question. Um, I'm going to start a bit further down the list. Uh, James asks, can you give us an update on your life as a cat dad? I'm assuming that's for you because I don't have a cat. Do you know what, James? He, my wife is in love with him and he's changed my opinion on cats completely. And he's in my office. He chills. He cuddles. He's just, yeah, he fits in really well. And there's no regrets at all. And a second cat may come up. I'm just going to make sure that I somehow take a solo holiday so my wife can deal with the cat solo. <laughs> joking, but Lucas asks, one thing I was always curious about is why cats? Why not? <laughs> I don't know if there's a good answer to this. I think I was looking for when we started Father, me and the, the previous co-founder, we, I was looking for something that would make the brand not just look like every other indie SaaS company. And so I was looking at weird illustrations, probably on Creative Market 
com or something like somewhere like that and i came across these weird drawings that were kind of cat-like but not entirely and that was v1 of the cats and then i actually found the company who did that i hired them to do custom cats for us that was version two of the cats and then i was like i can draw i'll just draw the cats myself in a style that i actually want because the style of the first ones were okay but it was just like a ten dollar, um, like royalty free image. So I wanted something that was super cussed. and people copied them. Remember that people? Oh, well, yeah. I guess no. Sorry, they didn't copy them. They bought them from the same person yeah. on Creative Market, and I was like, "No, fuck that!" Like I want illustrations that only we can have. And if somebody uses the same ones, then that is a legal issue. So I drew them myself. I think you and I just got iPads, and I had an iPad pencil, mm. and I was like, "Okay." Let's draw them. And so it's just it's it's just super random, but the cats have stuck and now the cats are the thing that if somebody confuses us for another company called Fathom that does something else, I'm like, are you looking at the site with the cats? Because I know the other one doesn't have any cats. (laughs) So yeah. That's that's the story with the cats, Lucas. I like that one. That one's a good one. Um so Sander asks, and I'm glad I'm asking this to you because I don't fucking know. Uh, Sander asks, is it feasible to migrate a live MySQL setup, AWS RDS, to single store without significant downtime? I am taking this into consideration so I can delay the $400 a month single store investment on an MVP. Managing it myself is not an option. Yeah, so he wants to start off, build an application, use MySQL, and then he realizes that it's not going to scale because MySQL is crap for scale especially when you bring in analytics and there's serverless options but it's night and day compared to single store if you're doing no analytics then i don't know like single store is always going to outperform mysql even on oltp um so yeah good question um yeah yeah absolutely can you can just do replication and it will read from the bin log and replicate it over to single store you can use something called archeon cloud uh, I guess like maybe at some point single store will do something in-house where you can use their first party tools to do the replication. But for now, Archeon Cloud is good. Um, there are other services you can use and there's kind of custom strategies you can do. So, I mean, we migrated from RDS uh, from MySQL to single store. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We, I don't know how we did it because you did it, but we did that. Yeah, absolutely can be done. So don't get, uh, yeah. Start off cheap. RDS sounds good. That's going to be good for small apps and then move to single store once you start doing some serious scale. Okay, so I have a question for you then. Uh, So question from Benjamin. I'm dying to get the new dashboard. I'm surprised you put this question in. What's he talking about? I don't know. What's the new new dashboard? I I don't remember saying anything, but he knows about it somehow. That's weird. I mean, obviously, we're always we're a software company. We're always working on um, redesigns and iterations to our product. Um, it'll be ready when it's ready. Like, I, I, there's no more detail than that because we don't actually know, right? There's no timeline for that because we're juggling a bunch of other features first. Like mm-hmm. that, I, I can't. If we get to that this year, that would be cool. Um, but honestly, I don't know. Oh, I have a question from Dale here. This is a good one. You actually wrote about this. That's why I'm jumping in to ask you. You already know. Okay, sure. you. Um, any impact on SEO when you swap from Google Analytics to Fathom? Is it good or bad? And does Google like... Ha- <laughs> I love this last bit. Does Google like having access to all your private GA data? Yes, it absolutely does like having 100%. access. But in terms of SEO, 
Fathom versus Google Analytics. Can you talk us through that, please? So there is, so Google, and we've heard this from Google directly, that they do not punish websites that don't use Google Analytics. I mean, it sounds like something they would do. So like, I understand people, like people ask us this question a lot, right? Yeah. There's, I've written blog posts about it. There's stuff in our documentation, but it comes up a lot because I think people understand that Google it just kind of does what Google wants, right? So there is no negative impact on SEO when you switch from Google Analytics to Fathom Analytics. In fact, it is technically better for your SEO, for your page rank to use Fathom instead of Google because our script size is something like two kilobytes. And when you add up Tag Manager and Google Analytics script, something like 50 or 60 or 70 kilobytes. So the quicker a page loads, the better it ranks for SEO for page speed. So technically using Fathom is better for your SEO than using Google Analytics. So Joel asks, uh, it seems uBlock Origin is blocking Fathom even on custom domains again. Uh, anything you can say about that? Yeah. <laughs> this so, feels topical today. No, it's topical. Yeah, but yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so uBlock Origin. So we've got different segments of customers that join Fathom. Segment one, you know, they care about privacy and they want to get off of Google. And then there's the simple analytics crowd that just want to have a simple dashboard that they can process and use. And there are a few other segments as well. Then there's a segment that they say, oh, wow, Google is not reporting my analytics correctly because it's blocked everywhere, but, you know, up to I think it's 50% of the internet. And that's blocked by every ad blocker, not just uBlock Origin. And they go, oh, in that case, I'm just, I'm going to take Google off my website and use Fathom just because of that. And so what uBlock don't realize they're doing is by targeting a privacy-first analytics provider, they are stopping people from moving from Google Analytics. Now, uBlock, if you actually said to uBlock Origin, hey, uBlock Origin, um, what's Fathom doing with data that invades privacy, that's tracking, that's this? They have got no answer at all because everything we do is covered by a DPA, which customers can sign. And, there's, and, and obviously, we have our, our terms of service and our privacy policy. So they are 100% in the wrong. There's no doubt about that. Now, forgetting about that debate that we've covered before, let's move into the technical side of things. We use a file called script.js. And the assumption I made was that there's no way that uBlock Origin would, or uBlock, whatever it's called, would ever block script.js as a rule. And they did. And I'm sure they've caused issues in some places. It's basically if, if it's on a subdomain and script.js, they block it. So we've built something that's going to bypass that. And then there are a few additional steps from that. If they decide to retaliate and, and if they build custom functionality to inspect post payloads, because right now they can't block on post payloads. When we inject a, a GIF, we have query string parameters in there. Now, they block based on that as well. I think uBlock does. I don't know off the top of my head. I think they do. No, they definitely do, actually. I remember the file. Uh, they don't block based on post data. Post data being like if you submit a form or like a post request. It's hard to explain to the non-technical crowd, but they can't block on this type of request. If they do build functionality to block on post data, number one, that's interesting because they're now going to be inspecting post data, um, which I don't really like. I think people won't like. And if they do that, then the movement from that point is to, um, is to cycle uh, the keys of the post data. 
and then just do it so it's completely not random, but it's hard for them to actually match. With regards to script.js, we're going to start serving the JavaScript from the root. And if you look at usefathom.com, we currently serve the JavaScript file from the root. Now, I know I'm in a bit of a kind of off mood today because I've got so much going on, but this topic is so stupid. I'm so like, they do not see the damage they're doing. I'm so bored of this fight, but we're going to fight it because if someone's doing something that's wrong, then you, you should fight it, especially if they're trying to wrong you and your customers. So we're always fighting this and this new release is going to be pretty good. And we've got a bunch of ideas after that if they want to continue fighting. It's exhausting, yeah. but the fight will go on. And if someone's going to do, be doing something, ultimately, Google needs to come off of websites. That's, that's what it comes down to for us. So, And I guess the, 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 the key point is that we, it, it's a constant battle, right? Like mm, we yeah. can bypass all ad blockers one day and then they'll post to Reddit and like their GitHub issues the next day and find a way around it. And then we have to iterate again. And so it's not a constant where it's always, um, where we've always gotten around them, but it is something that we work at. But also like, if you think about it, like this is taking us away from innovating our product. Right, like this is taking us away from making Fathom even better to even better compete with Google Analytics, which is a which is a net win for privacy and for the internet in general. Right, like yeah, you could yeah. be working on features right now, but you can't because you have to get around these fucking neckbeards yeah. who keep block. Like, why don't they block Stripe? I guess is a question that I have. They're, they're helping uh, Google in multiple ways. You just yes. highlighted another one which I hadn't even thought of. They're helping Google in that way. Yeah. So why don't they block Stripe? Because Stripe is a third-party script, right? If they're that radical, no, for sure. It's like, oh, but Stripe processes payments. It's like their top-level goal is we're going to target Fathom Analytics, a privacy-first analytics service, keeps no access logs. Um, I think like processes the IP and then like puts it in with a salt and a bunch of stuff for, I think I worked out, let, uh, a few hundred milliseconds and it's gone. There's no log of that. And they, they're concerned about that. Like, and it always makes me laugh because I think to myself, people loading a website, there's going to be more logs kept on just loading that website than anything that touches our, our infrastructure. Yeah. Who, I, I'll ask a real question from Lucas because he did actually have some real questions. Um, which is a company you'd like to see as a customer that isn't a customer already? Uh, Google. That would be so funny. I mean, yeah, they should stop sending data to Google Analytics. It'd be good. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, like we got McLaren as customer. Mm, and that was cool. I'm a, I like motorsport. So do so does more than half of our company likes um, and is obsessed with motorsport. So um, seeing McLaren convert from a trial to a paid customer uh, was huge. Um, seeing companies like uh, IBM use us or GitHub yeah. use us or even Laravel use us like. I, when we started this, I wouldn't have thought that companies that big um, would would use Fathom, and and they are. But the other thing is too, like I, I like seeing companies that are just like indie software companies using us, or like agencies using us, or agencies using us, and then getting all of their clients, yeah. their customers. To, like I don't know who's a company that you would like to see as a customer that isn't other than Google. Um, I don't know. I don't really know that there are any i'm sort of i'm really happy i like seeing individuals i like when people are happy about using fathom yeah the one thing i will say about bigger companies is you don't always get that same 
well, you, you don't in the big company, but you don't get that same communication where they're messaging you about how hype they are about you moving to Fathom and how you know it's the future and they're so grateful. You don't get that from the biggest companies, whereas you'd get that from you know a solopreneur, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so no, I, I don't. You know where where I get a kick is so a silly example. When I was younger, I used to go to a a nightclub and I go there. probably two three times a week because i was a massive alcoholic no i'm not an alcoholic but when you're when you're in your late teens you like to have a drink Mm. Um, and i go out all the time and this nightclub i went to i knew i had relationships relationship like i guess was friendly i suppose is a better way to say like could skip the queue was friendly with people the people who run it and so, but we weren't beyond like me being drunk and, you know, the drunk friends, call them, that's what they're called, drunk friends. I was drunk friends with them, basically. We didn't hang out outside of that. And they're promoters and it's like they're networking as well. And it's not really, anyway, my point being, this is a random company. They don't remember me. They don't remember my name, who I am, blah, blah, blah. They signed up and they're using Fathom. And I just couldn't believe that because what a small world. This is, and there's tons of clubs, you know, around where I grew up, there's tons of clubs. And it's just happened to be the one club, or you might say to me, ah, but what if the other clubs have also signed up but you haven't noticed? But <laughs> the point I'm getting at is how the heck did they even hear about Fathom? You know, 18 years old, 19 years old, I'm going to their club nights. And then at 20, 20 years, uh, 20 years on, 10 years on, they're paying for the software that I built. It's, it's just surreal to just uh, think about that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I have a couple of folks that I was like, that I idolized as designers um, over the years that have signed up for Fathom as well. And I'm like, how is this, like, how is this life right now? Like, these are people that I looked up to uh, for their design skills and work for ages and their customers now. It's just yeah. like, that's pretty cool. Like, I don't know. That's one of the cool things about running a business that's, um, that's gained a, a considerable amount of traction is uh, when stuff like that happens. Other things too. So say, for example, there are places that I went when I was a kid, like these big public institutions and they're open, you know, you pay to go in or it's free to go in, like museums, that sort of thing. Seeing them sign up is really trippy because I just think to myself, oh, wow, I would have been nine, 10 years old in this building. And then in the future, I'm you know, building the analytics product that they're using to, to, on their website and to help measure traffic. That's always a really trippy feeling. That always really... Yeah, blows my mind. There's been other things like businesses that I used to walk past on the way to work, that sort of thing, um, using Fathom. Like, you know, recognize the business name because I've mm. seen the business name. That, and this isn't a global business, it's like a local business. And I remember the name because I, you know, walked past it or whatever. That's really trippy as well. Because, you know, I'd be walking, I'd be walking past as, you know, in my early 20s, not knowing that one day this business is going to be using fathom which didn't exist so that really gets me more than because honestly this sounds super arrogant but it's not meant to be but we do have so many big customers that the big names don't necessarily make me go oh wow it's like it's cool but yeah i like the emails where people are like you know you have that email you wrote where it says if you're like heck yeah to fathom yeah and then everyone writes back oh everyone but lots of people write back heck yeah <laughs> like, i know that, that I... gives me a huge kick i love that yeah I will say it was cool to be at Home Depot the other day looking at appliances and and telling my wife, oh, that company uses Fathom. (laughs) I'm not going to, I like, I do like when people reply back in all caps, heck yeah. Yeah. Like that's the best part of the day usually. But yeah, seeing an appliance company that's like, 
oh, if we bought this um, dishwasher, then they're a customer of Fathom. That didn't that did that didn't influence the appliance and the brand that we chose ultimately, but it was cool. I like that the British government and the Canadian government pay us money. I always thought that was quite funny because <laughs> like taxes and they're paying us money. And like, yeah, I was always got a kick out of that. Yeah. Okay, so this is from Charlie. Since since launching Fathom, what's the biggest thing you've learned? Which feature has been the most exciting one to work on, and which feature has been the most complex to work on? Uh, there's multiple ways to answer this. I mean, t- I'm not going to get into technical complexity because that can go on and on. But I think it's fair to say, Paul, that getting the dashboard right and making sure people understand it has been one of the most complex things that we've agonized over to make yes. it simple. I think is that, would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. It's the, it's the dashboard, the terminology on the dashboard, how the data is displayed. It's so, mu- it's so interesting to me. And that's something, I guess that's the biggest thing that I've learned, Charlie, is that you can have the simplest software in the world, but the amount of complexity it takes to get it and the amount of thought that it takes to get it to be at a level of this is simple, this is intuitive, this is something that people can take and use and understand right away is so much work. (laughs) Jack and I agonize over what is the simplest way to do something or show something or illustrate something so like we spend so much of our days on that topic for the for the entire software product right and i didn't i thought just like oh a simple simple product could just be simple to make and it's it's not it requires so much work on our part so then our customers don't have to work as hard to understand or use so yeah yeah and and that has been a lot of work so which feature has been the most exciting one to work on uh, that's a really tricky one because we do a lot of innovation. I remember when we, we I, I completely forget that we what we innovated on. We created cookie-less analytics and people weren't doing it and we created that. And now it's become this um, thing that people look for, which is really, really cool. That was something we, we kind of jumped into because we realized that I think we were using cookies at the time. This was before my time. I was just using what was there. And then me and you realized, oh, we need to comply with the e-privacy directive, which means no cookies, which means don't store anything on terminal equipment. And then we jumped into that and we got that shipped. That's quite substantial. But also EU isolation. Because before it was really a case of people saying, oh, we need to have stuff, we need to have our servers in the EU. Or and that isn't really the solution. And we're like, no, we need to have fast response times for our US customers as well as around the world. And then we said, oh, okay, well, how, how about we have EU infrastructure and US infrastructure and it, it, probably this year across multiple regions and we have the fastest possible response time rather than just go, oh, we're only going to be in the EU. Mm-hmm. That was a huge innovation. And, and it's, it's really hard to say what's the most exciting feature to work on. I, I really don't know, actually, to be honest with you. There's been so much yeah. excitement constantly. I'm looking at our feature list. I'm like, what was the most exciting? Like- I don't know. Whatever we're working on, we get pretty hyped about. <laughs> yeah, shipping so. is the best. In terms of what's the yeah. most exciting thing, shipping is the most exciting thing. I've, you know, we've really been talking about how we need to improve our systems and how we ship things and work on things because it's all good having a bunch of stuff built. But I'm very much thinking about mental bandwidth. That's kind of been my, my theme for this month is, okay, you've got a bunch of stuff that's built, but who's going to ship that? And what's that going, like, what's that going to distract me from working on? And, and 
when stuff happens, say for example, the ad blocker stuff, do you work on that immediately or do you finish shipping all the all the PRs you have? That sort of thing. And I'm very much learning this because it's obviously multiple developers now. And so I'm the the thing I'm next ex- most excited about is catching up on all of the PRs we have open, shipping GA import, and working on one thing at a time. That's when things are exciting. I am going to say that when you work on multiple things and you get into this trap of sort of maybe getting initially excited and starting a new branch, it can work for some personalities. But when you're having to put tons of context into your head, it is quite costly to try and switch. Like for, even even I was sick for two weeks and coming back and trying to get the ad blocker and infrastructure changes into my head is substantially hard because it's split across so many things that can affect it. So I'm excited to work on one thing at a time. I really am. And I know yeah. it doesn't work for everyone, but you just got to know your personality. And I, I also don't think it's a bad thing to work on one thing at a time. Even if you think you like working on multiple things at a time, if there's small things and the context switching is easy, then it's whatever. But when you're working on big, big changes, I don't think it's good to context switch. I think it's good to focus on that and get it shipped. That's really what I'm, I'm landing on. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's the end of part one of the Q&A. Yeah, tune in, I guess, in two weeks, and we will be airing part two of this Q&A. And as always, thanks again for listening to Above Board, and thanks to everybody who submitted questions. <laughs>